Good morning, Sunrise. It's a beautiful day to be together here in church, worshiping God together and singing and hearing His Word. I think I feel like, the, like every single Sunday this summer has been a beautiful, I say, wonderful, beautiful summer day. And it's raining today, but you know, sometimes rainy days are good. Like I just want to curl up on the couch and read a book and just sit and chill and look at the rain. So it's good to have those rainy days. Why don't you guys stand with us as we... As we prepare to worship and sing to, sing to God this morning, um, now why don't we start, why don't you guys just bow your heads and, and pray with me as we get ready to, to worship this morning. God, you are a good God. You are faithful. Thank you that we can come here together to worship you, to have our voices mingle together in a beautiful, beautiful symphony of music and a sacrifice of praise that we give to you. May it be a, just a sweet smelling incense to you, God, as we bring that today. And I know that many of us come from, from different walks uh, throughout this week, throughout the summer. Some of us are high on the mountaintop. Some of us are drudging our way through the valleys. But God, thank you that you meet us wherever we are and that you hold our hand and walk with us on that journey. So God, this morning, I pray that we can just release all the things of the week that may be kind of weighing us down, that we can just feel light in your presence, that we can bring these songs to you, and that may you may be just praised and blessed by what we offer you to you this morning, Jesus. You name me pray. Amen. Let's sing together. the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. The sea opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung upon that cross, and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Because we were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. So then again, I believe it this morning. Then we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house. 
You reign above 
Jesus, thank you for your salvation. Thank you that we have that knowledge that we don't have to rest in our strength. But Jesus, it's you and us. In our weakness, you are strong. And Jesus, you will complete the good work that's begun on each one of us. You lead each one of us step by step, day by day, leading us home. Jesus, thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy in each one of our lives. We can't thank you enough. Nothing we deserve but what you freely give. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Why don't you guys take a seat? Well, good morning, Sunrise. How are we today? Good to see you all. Has anyone else been enjoying the little bit cooler weather? It's not like 95 out and... You instantly start sweating when you walk outside. Is that just me? Maybe? Okay. All right. Anyways, uh, no, it's so good to see you guys. And hey, we just have a few quick announcements this morning. Uh, but just want to say thanks for joining us today. And if you're a guest with us today, we just want to say welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us. And uh, so glad that you are here. Uh, my name is Corey, just in case you want to say, hey, I heard you speak earlier. Just, just so you know. Anyways, cool. So... To get to the first one, next Sunday is the last day to bring in donations for the Back to School Drive. Uh, we are so close to reaching our goal, so please still check out what is still needed in the lobby. You can see out there what we still need. Quickly grab it for us. And school is starting soon. I think I heard some schools are starting as early as next week. Not like tomorrow, but next week. That's crazy. Crazy. And a lot of other schools are two weeks, three weeks. Anyways, it's just insane. I just remember we didn't have to start until after Labor Day, and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Uh, next announcement is Wine in Theology is this Tuesday at 7 p.m. at Rush Creek Bistro. Even if you're like, hey, I don't know a lot about theology, but I just want to hang out and just get to meet some other people, it's a great opportunity for you ladies to get connect and get together and uh, just share a meal together. It'll be really great. Also... Next Sunday is our Sunrise Beach Party. Does anyone in here like the beach? Yeah? Come on now. Sunsets, Lake Michigan, all the good things, especially when it's 70 degrees in the water. Nice and warm. That was a joke. Uh, anyways, you can pack a lunch and head to Tunnel Park after the service to spend some time in the sun with others from sunrise, right? Like that, that, was, that was pretty good, that was pretty good. Anyways, next one is Pup Theology is on August 15 at 6.30 p.m. at the Matices, in the Matices backyard, okay? So gentlemen, if you'd like to get together and hang out in a backyard, maybe have a bonfire, right? And uh, just sit around, it's a great opportunity for you to get together at the Matices house. And lastly, everyone say lastly, we are having a pizza and game night on Wednesday, August 16th at 6 p.m. What day? August 16th. Oh, y'all listen so good. I love it. Let us know if you will be here. Um, and you can just go ahead and go on our website. Just let us know. There's will be a place to do that. And we will provide the pizza, and you will bring the board games, okay? So we'll provide the food. You bring the fun, okay? Does that work? So make sure you come. It'll be a great opportunity for everyone all ages to get together and have fun. The last thing is this, is just a reminder. Um, it's a great opportunity for you to participate uh, in giving and just giving thankfulness back to the Lord for what he has given to us, right? Thankfulness is important to us here at Sunrise and just giving back what you feel the Lord has led you to do is a great way to participate and, that, and to support the things that are happening here at Sunrise. Uh, because in the great words of Dennis, it does take money to run this place. 
So anyways, thanks so much, Sunrise. You can give online. You can give in those great boxes back there by envelope. Uh, a couple ways to do that. But at this time, go ahead and stand up. We're going to dismiss the kids to go back to Kids Church and say hi to someone around you. Good morning, Sunrise family. How you doing this morning? Good. So today I want to begin the message with a disclaimer and then a little bit of a review. So um, today I want you to, to, to agree with me and to understand that what I'm about to say is hopefully driven by the text but is not meant to be a chastisement. It's meant to be an encouragement to keep doing what you're doing, right? So Amy's looking at me right now like, oh no. You're going to get emails this week, aren't you? Hopefully not. No, you, you come to church sometimes, right? And, and I don't want you to feel like this is sort of the stereotypical. You come and then you get beat over the head. That is not my intention at all today. But there is a very prophetic call by the prophet Haggai um, as we are entering into this second movement in, in chapter 2. But before we jump into that, I thought it might be a good idea to, to think through, okay, well, well, well what, what got us here? There we go. Previously at Sunrise Ministries, right? So imagine previously at Sunrise Ministries. Three weeks ago, uh, if you were here, you remember that our dear friend Noah reminded us of some very important things. He talked about the end of the accusation that the Lord was making through Haggai to Zerubbabel and uh, Joshua the high priest. And we saw, though, that in that final movement of the accusation, Noah pointed out to us that God's grace... not only precedes our obedience, it also overcomes our disobedience. Remember that everything that we're about to say, everything that we're about to see comes as a result of God's grace. See, there was sins of the past. There was sins of the ancestors. There was judgment that came because the people of God were disobedient to the way and the rule and the the message of God, and yet God still continued to show His grace to restore His people to their place. Noah reminded us in that beautiful message that God moves first. God is the one who comes to us that before we understand, before we obey, before we love Him, God's love reaches toward us, that He moves persistently and relentlessly in our direction, that when we fall, and when we fail, when we, you and I, break covenant with him, that God's grace is more persistent and more relentless than our doubts and our disobedience. Two weeks ago, Pastor Corey uh, reminded us some very important things. And he talked about what it means to live in the present post-disobedience grace of God. And he gave us a powerful challenge to be faithful because God, the God who moves first, the God whose grace overcomes our disobedience, the God whose covenant is lived out in and through us in relationship and demonstrated through the fruit of obedience through present faithfulness. But that present faithfulness calls us to a few things. And one of the things it calls us to is that we are to be a generation who chooses to celebrate rather than cry and mourn at what the next generation is building. Last week, with great courage and grace, Kathleen shared her testimony with us. And she didn't do this in order to look and to and celebrate the past, but looking at the past for the purpose of moving forward into the future with hope and with healing. A story of struggle that also demonstrated hope. A story of relationship, of relationship with a God who moved toward her and met her in her greatest point of need. A story of a community of people who loved her and even when she didn't feel it, loved her and wanted the best for her. Of a church that courageously allows our partners and our family to celebrate the stories that people don't normally tell. Because we know how much grace we ourselves have received and how much grace we all need. You see, we, we celebrated last week a story that 
that does not deny or neglect or minimize or celebrate the pain, abuse, and sin of the past, but one that moves persistently into the future by choosing each day to recline into God's present grace. The grace that meets us now and here. Today, as we, we move into Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, I, I, I want us to see and I want us to grapple with over the next few minutes the truth of this statement is that God's present grace is greater than the tribe's glorious past. You see, this is what, what Haggai is, is telling again to the leaders and to the people is he's telling them that God's present grace, our present experience with him is greater than the stories of the glorious past. Let's, let's look at the passage together, uh, shall we? Uh, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake the nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Friends, can I confess to you that this week as I, um, as I watched the, the the messages that I missed while Amy and I were on vacation. Um, I was not only blessed, but I was impressed and I was proud. Corey and Noah killed it. They did a magnificent job of, of, of setting up the the historical and cultural background of the passages that they were preaching. They talked about the different contexts. They, they dealt honestly with the Haggai's prophecy. And, and so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time um, redoing what they have done, but simply building upon the good work that they have laid. But just as a quick reminder, the Israelites have returned home to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, the monument, if you will, that represents God's presence among the people. Um, it was the structure that housed the elements of worship and, and, and those elements of worship that led the people to having peace with God as a nation. You see, the Israelites' presence back in the land demonstrated two things, God's grace and God's faithfulness, despite the disobedience and the rebellion of the ancestors of the people that are currently in the land. But despite God's grace and God's faithfulness, those who were returned to the land, they became distracted and sidetracked from God's true calling. The work that he had brought them back to Jerusalem to accomplish, to, to rebuild the temple, had become sidetracked as the people were, were distracted with building their own fancy houses, and it brought a halt to the work of restoring the temple for two decades. Once the work was, was resumed... Ezra tells us that there was a cry from the people, and the cry from the younger crowd was a cry of rejoicing and thanks for what God had done, a remembrance of God's faithfulness, of God's restoration, of God restoring his, the, the monument that represented his presence among the people. But there was also a cry from the old heads, the gray hairs like me those that had been there decades before, who probably even as small children had seen the temple in its former glory, and you could not tell the cries of rejoicing from the cries of mourning, according to Ezekiel. And Corey pointed out just briefly a couple of weeks ago how the disappointment and longing for what once was was robbing many of the joy of the present peace that God was bringing. Well, today we, we move forward through this message into the prophecy, deeper into the prophecy of Haggai, and it offers us a couple of important, important pieces of information that are just as applicable for us today as they were for the Israelites in Haggai's day. 
is that God's present peace, getting back to the title of the message, is greater than the tribes or the churches or the family's glorious past. Now, hopefully you know me enough to know that I'm what we call in the business a storyteller. I like to tell stories. I tell them over and over and over again. And, and I craft them so that they're better the next time that they are told sometimes. You see, folks, all of us have those exceptional moments in our life, don't we? We have those exceptional moments in our life that have changed us, that have shaped us, that, that, that have made us who we are. And for those of us that have been walking with the Lord and been a part of this thing called the church for a long time, uh, we have exceptional church moments as well that we tell and we rehearse. The, we, we talk about the church's glorious past, but, but I have to confess this morning to you that, the, that those exceptional moments and stories of the church's glorious past past, and this isn't meant necessarily about sunrise. This isn't meant about sunrise. It's meant about the totality of almost 30 years in ministry. Those exceptional moments have not always been a source of joy for me. Sadly, more often than not, they've been an occupational hazard that I've had to weather rather than a source of peace. I remember standing as a young pastor, um, talking to one of the church leaders, and we were, instead of doing a vacation Bible school, we were doing what we called all-star camp. And uh, essentially, we had a relationship with the schools, and we could get into the schools that we were in the, the, the neighborhood of. And, and we had kids who were coming, and basically, we, we would teach them how to do different sports. We would have singing. We would have a devotional time, and it was just a, it was an unbelievable time to build relationships and to get into the hearts and lives of families and, and children that were outside of the uh, outside of the church and I remember having a conversation with one of our deacons when he said well when I was in charge of VBS we were so full in this building we had to use a stairwell as a classroom and there were 25 kids in that back stair room another conversation Dennis if you would just get out and knock on more doors and introduce yourself to the community the church would grow we keep losing people because you're not out in the community knocking on doors Dennis, it's all about short-term missions trip. My life was changed when I went on a missions trip to such and such a place. That if we would get back to doing more trips, then we would see God really begin to do things. Dennis, I'm sick and tired of these newfangled songs that you guys are singing. More hymns. They teach theological truth and not the fluff that we sing today. Followed by a conversation... Dennis, worship is so boring. We need fewer hymns and more contemporary music. I wish I was joking. Dennis, when Pastor so-and-so was here, we used to get 300 people in this room that's only supposed to seat 240. And that was on a Sunday night. Because so-and-so preached verse by verse through John's gospel. Dennis, we need more altar calls. Dennis, we need all night prayer meetings. Dennis, we need more events, everything from sportsmen's dinners to trunk or treat. We need more services, everything from watch night services on New Year's Eve to sunrise services on Easter morning, from Eula to services on Christmas morning to midnight mass on Christmas Eve. If we'd just get back to this or that, then we would see God work. Folks, all these comments or, 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 or bits of advice to young Dennis, I've come to realize were meant as a kindness. But as you can probably tell, they still are scars. All of these comments were meant as a kindness. Let's be honest. 
most of them? No, let's be honest. Some of them were meant as a kindness. <laughs> some of them were meant as a correction. But some of them were meant as a desperate cry for some, something else. I truly believe that the deepest desire of many of the people who stood in front of me weeping at the foundations of what was being built under my watch was a desire for people to experience God. They wanted people to experience God the way that they had experienced God because all of these things were so meaningful in their formation. But the problem was is that they mistook the encounter that they were having with God with the mechanism through which they had that encounter with God. You see, as human beings, so often we can't conceive of encountering God in a way that is different from individual to individual. And what we do then is we sanctify methods. But see, here's the problem. The sanctification of what God did one time in my past and how he did it often distracts and discourages participation in what God is currently doing. My friends, if I am constantly looking over my shoulder for what God did and how God met me and how he functioned back then, I'm not going to be focused on seeing what he's doing right now under my nose and in my life. When we long, my friends, for the glorious past, Instead of pursuing God into the present peace he provides, we cease to be a movement for God and become a monument unto ourselves. Probably as a testament to what God can do, early in my ministry and, and out Honestly, true confession, right? Authenticity out of a place of pain and disappointment. I made this promise to the Lord. And with God's help, I hope I'm able to keep it. Folks, it is my settled intention to never stand at the foundation of what others are building and bemoan the fact that it doesn't look like what I built back in the day. Movements, my friend, are greater than monuments. We, we look at the, as we go back and we look at the, the prophecy that Haggai speaks to the people in verse 6. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. And I have to say that if, if you're like me, you, you desire that. God will send revival, that God will shake the earth, that God will do a thing, that, that God will do something that cultivates forward movement and honor and glory for himself. But what I've learned, friends, is that monuments don't shake the heavens, only movement does. See, we, we all long for meaning, and we all long for an encounter. We all long to be part of something significant. But God is the one, my friends, who does the shaking. God is the one who meets us in those spaces. And so often we think that if we just sanctify this or sanctify that, or if we behave this way or we function this way, or if a church, we get back to this or we get back to that. If we follow the old paths, as, as the old heads were wont to say when I was growing up. But the reality is, is that God doesn't shake us through monuments of the past. He shakes us through movements of the present. The second thing we see is that the Lord says that I will shake all nations. What is desired by all nations, verse 7 of chapter 2, will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, the second thing I think is, is, is really important is that monuments, my friend, don't excel at crossing cultures. The things that we set up that work or that are... Uh, meaningful in a particular place or a particular space often aren't meaningful to the next generation. Can I tell you a secret? 
I'm going to anyway. So you might as well be like, sure, Dennis. And then just be uncomfortable when I share too much. Um, Right? If it were up to me, worship would be one dude with a guitar and all the lights off and candles around this place. When I'm left to my own devices, do you know what YouTube rabbit holes I fall down? Mike, I fall down the cathedral quartet, baby. Listen to George Yant, sort of, bleh, you know, in that, right? All that kind of stuff. I, monuments give us comfort, right? Monuments remind us of God's faithfulness, right? We, we, we've talked about, right? Stories are better with props. We're celebrating the Lord's table this morning, right? I, I'm not saying that, that sacraments are not important, but here's, here's what I am saying, my friends, is that monuments that we sanctify in our own life, how God did something at a particular time in a particular space with a particular people, don't often cross cultures real well. And the church of Jesus Christ is an all nations proposition. It's that God provides what is needed. God provides the encounter and the peace Yes, and he, he uses humans, and humans, we provide the context, we provide the language, and we provide the norms, and we provide the systems, and, and, and we provide all of those things. But God, never forget this, friends, God is always the one who accommodates and who comes to us. We need to be a movement of Christ. What does Jesus say to Nicodemus? Right? He talks about the spirit, the wit. The wind, the spirit blows where it pleases. And you can't tell where it's coming from and you can't tell where it's going. Verse 8. The Lord declares the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Monuments, my friends, if we're not careful, can become objects of worship rather than resources to be used for God's glory. God, my friends, is the only one that can claim ownership of anything. This is why he was so insistent on the Sabbath, on letting the land rest every seventh year, and on the jubilee that happened every 50th year because he was the one who owned it all and he was the one to whom we rely for our sustenance. I'll oftentimes have people ask me, Dennis, where's your church? Where's your church? And I know what they're asking, but I get uncomfortable every time they ask the question. Right, and I don't want to be like a jerk and say, well, it's not my church. But it's not. Right, friends, this is not my church. And it's not even our church. It's God's church of which we have been invited to become a part. The minute that this building becomes something rather than a tool for gospel ministry, when it becomes a monument rather than the house of a movement, we've lost our way. The minute that my identity becomes so wrapped up in a job title that I can't see myself apart from it, that's the minute you need to find another shepherd for this place. Because here's the thing. When Dennis isn't enough, Pastor Dennis or Reverend Moles or Dr. Moles won't be enough either. Monuments. Monuments can distract us from what God is doing by venerating what he once did. Verse 9, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. Now, I want to be careful here because we don't want to, to, to jump too quickly from there to here, right? We, we understand that what what God is saying through the prophet to the people is about the temple and it's about Israel and, and it's about what's going on in their, their context. But in order for this to have meaning and to matter for us, I think we need to take into consideration what the Lord is saying. And, and, and if I can be really transparent for just a second, when I listened to Noah's sermon from three weeks ago and Corey's sermon from two weeks ago, I thought to myself, the future of Sunrise Ministries is in really, really good hands. 
The glory of the present house is greater than the glory of the former house. Not because, friends, God did not do great things back then. No, it's not about that at all. It's, it's about the fact that we need to remember and we need to celebrate God's faithfulness. But the glory of the present house is greater than the glory of the former house because the present, present is our only opportunity to join God in actively building his kingdom. A lot of you have been around here for a long time. And uh, you, you, remember, you remember, depending on how you, you figure these things out, that I'm pastor number four or five in the 20-year history of, of Sunrise Ministries. And I never met Pastor Dave, who was the founding pastor of this place. And I don't want to pretend that I know him or that I know what he would say or think if he came into this place now. And I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, that there would be things that he and I would, would view or, or do differently. And I'm, I'm sure there are things, right? I'm self-aware enough to know you guys, I'm a lot. And so I, I, I know that, uh, you know, there would probably be moments where I would drive him nuts and he would roll his eyes. But if the stories that I've heard are true, I'm, I'm also really pretty sure that, that even in those crazy-making moments, he would extend grace. If the stories I've heard are true, I imagine, were he here, he would find great joy in the fact that Sunrise is still a movement of people that is grace-filled and loving that it's a community where hurting people can come and they can experience God's healing. Kathleen, I got a sneaking suspicion that he'd have been in the front of the line to give you a hug last week. Gentlemen, I imagine that he would have been pleased as punch to have given up the pulpit. To gifted and faithful young men. And Lindsay, young women. <laughs> that it would have mattered to him that we're still a place where the broken can come and find healing, where people can share their stories, where the old and the young walk side by side to carry out the vision and expand the kingdom. The last thing I think that, that we see here, just the last little part of this, this passage, the Lord says, through Haggai and in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. My friends, may we never get too focused on the monuments and the moments of the past that we forget that God's peace also inhabits spaces that we don't think are worthy of his glory. Haggai's making this statement and he, he talks about God's peace. And part of the, the struggle, I think, of being a, 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 an older person who is moving into this last sort of third or quarter of, of ministry, um, if, if the Lord tarries, is that the world has changed. And people have changed. And I am not young or hip or clever. And here's the crazy thing. Probably never was. But the reality is at 50 years old, almost 30 years into this thing now, I look around and it's like, Dennis, what do we need to grow the church? And I, my answer is, I don't know. Because my job isn't to grow a church. My job is to shepherd God's people and to make disciples. My job is the same as your job. It's to encounter people and say, Jesus is this way, let's follow him. My job is to leverage my, my gifts and my calling. My job is to, is to not hold tight to, to titles or, or jobs or paychecks, but to hold those things with open hands. 
And to understand that even though the world is changing and even though for some of us things seem to be spiraling out of control is that God is still in control. He was just as much in control as he was on that day when they laid the last brick on the temple as he was on the day that Daniel and his friends were marched off into Babylon. God is not caught by surprise. That he meets us in our space. And that here's what he offers. He offers peace. Today we're going to celebrate the Lord's table. Dan, if you would just come and, and start to play quietly. Um, we're going to come around the Lord's table, right? So now we've talked about this idea of God's present peace. And we're going to gather around the table and celebrate a story. We're, we're, we're going to, to gather around a monument, if you will, to remember the fact that God has called us to be a movement. That then on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. That he gave some instructions to, the, to his disciples. And, and this month, and, and we're going to do it a little differently. This will, uh, next time we get, we get together and do this. But this month we're, we're going to do it similarly as we did the last time. Because I, I want us again just to gather around the table to look each other in the eyes. And, and to end sort of small groups um, as Dan plays softly. Thank you. <laughs> if you know, you know. Carol said, I thought I was, I felt like I was shouting at people. <laughs> and Mike was like, well, you was, but you had to. <laughs> we gather around God's table to celebrate the fact that he is still in control, that he is still redeeming us, that he still offers resurrection in our lives. If the elders would come and start to get ready, um, it's been a hard week. This has been a hard message to give. And um, I don't want you to feel beaten over the head at all. I just want you to be reminded that there's work to do today. Right in front of you. That there are people. Right in front of you. That need his love. That need his care. That need a kind word. People that are here today that may not be there tomorrow. That's not meant to put any pressure on anybody, but Thursday I got a phone call. I was working on Michaela's car with a friend, a friend who actually knows how to work on cars because I don't. And I missed a call and I saw who it was from and I texted back and I said, hey, I'm, I'm in the middle of something. Can I call you later? And the response was, yes, please call me later, exclamation point. prompted me to text back is everything okay and the answer was no which prompted a text are you safe do you need me now no I'm safe I just need you to call me When I called back, Miranda simply said this, Emily is gone. And I said, what? And she said, did I break up? Did you not hear me? And I said, no, I... Thursday afternoon, I lost a 31-year-old friend. 
somebody that mattered to me. And I was reminded that all we have is the present. I'm filled with hope because of who Jesus is and who he was to Emily. I'm filled with hope. But I'm reminded that we have today, my friends. So let's stop looking over our shoulders and bemoaning that things aren't the way they used to be. And let's press in today. Because Jesus, Jesus' present peace is so much greater in the tribe's glorious past. So today as you come, as we gather around the table, let's be reminded of God's faithfulness to us and God's call to extend that faithfulness to those that are around us. I'm going to pray. Dan will play and then as the Lord moves, if, if groups would come around each of these three tables, we'll, we'll gather the Lord's table and then the, the worship team will, will close here in just a minute. So Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love and your grace. Lord, we pray that we would take today as, a, as an encouragement and not kind of a chastisement to press in to your place and your space of perfect peace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Please come to the table. stand together as we close in song. Everything changed. It's getting harder to recognize the person I was. Before I encountered Christ I don't walk like I used to I don't talk like I used to I've been washed from the inside I've been washed from the inside Hallelujah Hallelujah I know it was the blood Could have only been the blood Could have only been hey. I cannot explain But nothing's more real than this In the presence of God Oh, what my heart experienced my shame hit the wayside and my sin met the most high I was washed from the inside I was washed from the inside
perfection We're striving for acceptance Let me tell you It's only by the blood It's never been about deserving or earning It's a gift that's freely given Let me tell you It's only by the blood Does anybody want to be holy, righteous, purified and spotless? Let me tell you, it's only by the blood Does anybody want to be worthy, forgiven, justified, really living? Let me tell you, it's only by the Friends, Jesus has come as the true and better of all the monuments. He's the true and better temple. He's the true and better sacrifice. He's the true and better high priest. As we celebrate his fulfillment of all of those things, hear these words from 1 Thessalonians 4. Maybe this is for me this morning. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of the world. Those who have no hope, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him according to the Lord's own word. We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together to be with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Because of this, encourage each other with these words. As you have just testified to the Lord's death until he comes, go and inhabit those places of peace in your life. Be his ambassador. Be his emissary in the present 
for the sake of the king and his kingdom. Amen? Go in his peace.